Hey guys, welcome to my podcast. I pray you are empowered to walk in the fullness of your God design. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. And remember, enforcing purpose, it starts with you. So we've been talking a lot about uh, your identity, who you are. We talked last night about how as he was, so you are here in this in this lifetime, in this world, that we're looking to be defined, we're looking for definitions, and God has defined you. You have a God design, and that is God's definition of you. As we begin to delight ourselves in the Lord, we begin to discover ourselves, comes up out of that, this purpose, this thing, this stirring, this passion. I begin to feel things that tick me off and make me tick. I begin to feel the sense of calling in my life. We talked this afternoon about the power of Purpose, dreams, imaginations, and visions, and how we can cultivate each one of those. How do they play in? Moving from the hope that I have in my heart to the vision that I have in my eye to the action that I have in my step. I love that pastor talked a lot about how when you get a word, you've got to add to the word an action, and that will equal your promise slash your purpose, right? I talked to you about your, God's word plus your action is what brings forth, it's what births the promise and your purpose. But I want to talk to you in this session about running your race and what are we doing in the waiting I'm going to talk to you about three things specifically. We're going to talk about motivations, priorities, and perseverance. We're going to be talking about motivations, priorities, and perseverance. Sometimes when we don't see the results we're looking for or we think we're going to get, isn't it true that sometimes God speaks to us a word and we immediately get a picture that that must look like this, right? God says, start a YouTube channel, and I immediately see my moment. I have 1,000 subscribers in three months because God told me to start a YouTube channel. God's like, actually, I didn't say that. You just assumed that. And then when I didn't get what I assumed, the gap that I filled in my own head, that I began to feel frustrated and discouraged. And God's like, if you just go back to the word and take my word, don't add to it, right? When we talked about the prophetic. And one of the reasons why I wanted Pastor Gary to come here is that we can understand how the prophetic moves in the mind's eye and how we are to activate. We talked a lot about activating your mind's eye, allowing God, recognizing he is the creator of your imagination. He designed it, and it is the place, it is the right writing tablet for him to write upon. And you cultivate that and you stir that up in your own quiet place, in your secret place, and God begins to loosen you and teach you how to operate in the prophetic. We talked about Jeremiah when he said, tell me what you see. I'm ready to perform my word. He was activating, stirring up that prophetic gifting in him. But when we're in the waiting, often it gets frustrating, it gets discouraging. And isn't it true that it becomes easy to lose motivation? We hear a lot about this word motivation. There's nothing more frustrating than lacking motivation. This is why staying connected to your why is so important. Why am I doing what I'm doing? So when I hear people saying, like, I've just lost passion or I've lost motivation in life, a lot of times I'll say, well, let's take a look at why you're doing what you're doing. And a lot of times we lack, we lack motivation because we've lost connection with our why. We've lost connection to what makes me tick and what ticks me off. And there's nothing more frustrating when people are like, you just need to, to be more motivated. Well, thanks, genius, because if I knew that, I would do that. If I knew that, I would do that. 
but there are hints of your purpose. And we, we've been talking all week, so uh, y'all remember I'm trying to take two books and I'm trying to condense them into one weekend. And a, a lot of these things, as I'm kind of hitting on a lot of these things, I'm also giving you tips on how do I discover and define my purpose. Well, a lot of times we help to help you discover and define your purpose, ask yourself, what motivates me? What makes me excited? What gets me up out of bed? I loved when you came to the Q&A, um, Brad made the comment about how a lot of people will say to me, oh, you're going to get burned out, you're going to this, you're going to that, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, she's not going to burn out, she's doing what she loves. Because if we're doing what we love, then God gives us the energy to do what we're doing, right? Because if God gives you a word and he says, this is your path, he's not going to give you the energy or the resource to finish the path. He's going to give you everything. When he says, you can be confident in this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it out into completion. So if God says, I want you to do an arise gathering, he's going to give you the energy to see it all the way through. He's going to continue to give you the motivation. So if you have lost your motivations, one of two things have happened. Either you're not running the race God has called you to run, or you've lost touch with why you're running it. And your why should always connect you to God. It should always make, bring you closer and bring you more intimate to God. So we're talking about motivation here. Now listen, there are hints of your purpose inside what motivates you. So your purpose has to become your bullseye. Like this is why I'm running. Why are you doing what you're doing? Just take a moment and really ask yourself that. Why are you starting that business? Why are you writing that book? Why are you writing that song? Why are you starting that church? Why are you doing what you're doing? Can you go back to the place where you know this is what I really strongly sensed? Now, I'm not saying you knew that you knew that you knew. Because sometimes we don't know that we know that we know. Sometimes we know that we know that we know. But sometimes we just get this strong sense and we know that God is leaning us into this path. And we go back to that place and we say, it was in this spot right here. Now, there are two different kinds of motivations. There's intrinsic motivations and there's extrinsic motivation. Those are big words. I told you guys I like to geek out on this stuff. Intrinsic, we are all born with intrinsic motivation. Your hunger drives you to eat. I'm thirsty. I'm driven to take a drink. I'm tired and it drives me to take a nap. So we're all born with intrinsic motivation, meaning it is a part of our creation. Now, nothing bothers me more when somebody comes to me and they're like, I'm just not a very driven person. Well, that's because you haven't tapped into your why. You're not plugged in. You're not anchored into. You're not established. You're not rooted. You're not built it up in what makes you tick and what ticks you off. Because if you were in there, there would be a drive that would come up. You know, the Bible says that he is giving you the energy to will and to do the work of God. Meaning he's given me the energy. That Greek word there means energio, which means the energy of us. It's a spiritual energy. Meaning he's given me a spiritual unction, not just to do, but to will to do. Meaning he's going to change my wanter when I don't want to. It goes back to that place when I was saying earlier, when listening to those people, I was like, oh, let's be honest. People live by their feelings. Whether we like it or not, we just do. If we don't feel like doing something in the moment, we don't. And if we do, we do. And I was that's not true. That's not true. Not when you're surrendered to the Lord. Because... There are things that I know God is calling me to do that I don't really want to do, but I want to want to do them. I love the passage in 1 John, I think it's in chapter 4, maybe in chapter 3, where it says that God himself is greater than our hearts so that our heart will not condemn us. 
So when my heart is against the path, because there are times when it feels too big, right? There are times when I started Crazy Eight Ministries, and, and I felt like the Lord had put this in my heart and everything else, and I go and I visit Gloria Gillespie, and she's like, oh, I'm going to give you this duplex in the back. I feel like the Lord is telling me, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, look at this. God's just, everything's in place. And I show up, and she's like, nope, God's telling me I'm supposed to give you two duplexes. And I go in there, and these things are a mess, like a mess. And I'm just going to be honest with you. In my head, I was like, I just inherited a bunch of work. And I was like really starting to second guess, do I want to do this? Because I, at this point, you know, I don't need a job. I don't have to work. My husband makes a great living. I stay at home with my kids. I get to stay in my pajamas till noon because I homeschool my kids. Why am I doing this? Why would I want to do this? This is a lot of work. And all I'm looking at is about forty to $50,000 of things that need to be reconstructed and revamped. But there was a calling in my, per- in my heart. There was a purpose. And I could try to avoid all the path that would get me, that, w- that next step that would take me to that purpose. But I couldn't stop being awakened by the spirit at night that was stirring up a purpose in me that said, but somebody's got to do something about those women and their children that are living on the streets. And if not me, who, God? And let me, let me tell you this. When I asked God that question, just being totally honest, God said, well, I did ask you, but if you don't want to do it, I'll find somebody else. I think he knows I'm a seven and I have FOMO, so uh, <laughs> he tapped into that a little bit. But the point is, is, is there was the Lord was like, look, this is just an invitation, and I was very serious when I invited you. But don't think that you're so it that you're the only it. Like, there's an invitation here. You get to respond. And yeah, it's not going to always be easy. But if you stay connected to me, I'm going to give you the resource. I'm going to give you the energy. And I'm going to give you the energy and the resource not just to do, but to will to do, to want to do. Some of us in this room tonight, we need to have our wanter changed. Like, we kind of feel, you know, our dream or whatever, but it feels daunting, Right? Like some of us, we talked about praying in the big, like seeing it big. Sometimes the big is very daunting, and and a lot of times the big costs a lot of money. Let's just be real. And that feels big, and it feels daunting, and it feels laborious. But God is not going to put something in your heart. He's not not like, man, he doesn't tease you. He's not a liar. That's what the scripture says. If he's put it in your heart, he's going to give you not just the ability to do it, but the wanter to do it. In Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, it says, For all of us have all these great witnesses who encircle us like clouds. So we must let go of all the wounds that have pierced us and all the sin that is easily entangling us. Then we will be able to run life's marathon race with passion, with determination, the path that has already been marked out for us. Already. Remember we talked about how all the days ordained for you are already written in a book. See, we don't necessarily know where we're going, but I guarantee you God knows exactly where you're going. And I think it was you, Pastor, that prophesied over me the last time at our our staff retreat that you said, look, there's a lot of things you don't know, but you know the one who knows. And you've come to a place that's all you need to know. Well, obviously it's seared because I was like, yes, no, I don't know. Like sometimes my staff is like, where are we going? Okay, yeah, we're following. I'm like, guys, just so you know, I don't know where we're going. And they'll just kind of like, is that not true? Like I was just like, I don't know where we're going. You know, when, when, we, when we had to move from one land to another and we had 90 days to find land with zero dollars and a house full of seven women and children that were homeless that I had promised a home to, that's crunch time. 
and we're, I'm on Facebook, and I'm like, God's going to provide. I'm being boasting on God. And then we get down to 20 days, and I ain't got nothing. Nothing. It's crunch time. And at that point, I have to kind of really go, okay, either you're going to do it, God, or you're not. But this isn't my thing. This is your thing. And you say this is my race I'm going to run, and you say you already have the path marked out for me. So either reveal it or don't. But at this point, in my reputation on the line, it's yours. <laughs> and so I, I'm kind of I'm pulling on the strings of heaven. And of course, we all, most of you probably know the story. Obviously, God came through, and, and we, we not only found land, but I, I went to the bank, and I was like, look, we got to close on this land in 20 days. And I will never forget it. I sat in a room. There was like five or six different bankers because we had to bring a plethora of people together to make it happen. And God had made all these connections. And I said, look, we got about 20 days to make this happen. And there was one man at the end of the table, and he looked at me. He was like, ma'am, you're asking for a miracle. And I thought, well, duh. I said, oh, I'm sorry. Did you think I thought the people in this room were able to make it happen? Because that's exactly what I'm asking for. I'm asking for a miracle. I'm asking for a miracle. Because this isn't my race to run. It's actually God's race that he's put me into, right? This is his path. And he's just said, look, here's, here's I've given you this race to run, but it's his path. That's what he's, he's put in front of me. And he's going to give me that motivation for it. And it says, that goes on, it says this. We look away from the natural realm and we focus our attention and our expectation on Jesus, who births faith in us. So I'm just reading to you from Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. We look away from the natural realm and we focus our attention and expectation onto Jesus, who births faith in us and who leads us forward into faith's perfection. He's perfecting faith in us. He's bringing it to completion. To perfect something means it's done. It's complete. I'm satisfied. I don't want to add to it. I don't need to take away. It is what it is. It's faith's perfection. His example is this, because his heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his, he endured the agony of the cross and conquered its humiliation. And now he sits exalted at the right hand of the throne of God. Listen, he had one motivation, and it was you, and you, and you, and me. See, Jesus endured, and it goes on in that passage to say that he endured to the point of shedding his own blood. Consider him. When you're running a race and you get weary, stay focused on your why. Why was he doing what he was doing? Because he loves you. He wasn't focused on the cross. He wasn't focused on the whips that were coming at his back. He wasn't focused on the crown of thorns that were coming through. I'm not saying he wasn't feeling them and that wasn't the reality that he was experiencing. I'm saying that's not where his heart was set. His heart was set before him. It was set on his why. Why am I here? And we hear Jesus, even in the Garden of Gethsemane, even in his humanness, he needed to refocus. Where he said, God, is there a plan B? And God said, no, this is it. And he settles in and he reconciles that moment. And he says, okay, well then only in drinking this cup that your will will be done, so be it. I have to drink this cup. And so God, if I have to drink this cup, then keep me focused on why I'm doing it. Keep me focused on why I'm here. What is my passion? Keep me focused on what I love. And a lot of us have gotten disconnected from what we love and we've just gotten to survival mode. And we're not loving life and we're losing our motivation. I want to talk to you about our priorities. 
To prioritize means to designate or to treat something as more important than any other thing. In short, you will prioritize the things that are valuable to you. And I would like to propose to you that some of you do not see the value in your own purpose, and therefore you are not prioritizing it. I'm going to say that again. Some of you do not value of your purpose, your path, your dream. You think it's too small. You don't think it's valuable enough. You think it's unworthy. Whatever it is, fill in the blank. But God says when you see the value of something, you will guard it. That's why the scripture says, above all else, guard your heart. For out of it comes the wellspring of life. That's not a word for me. That's a word for you and me. Above all else, what do you mean? So I can guard? I get to guard my time? Yes, you get to guard your time. Oh, so I get to guard my health? Yes, you get to guard your health. I get to guard my schedule? Yes, you should guard your schedule. Because there are so many urgencies in this world that will distract you and pull you away from what you should be and what God has told you to prioritize. And you have all these priorities in your life that are not God priorities. And then you're busy. You're tired, and you, don't, and you wonder why you don't have any time or energy. And it's time for you to back up and go, okay, I need to look at the priorities that are set in my, take a look at your bank account, take a look at your calendar, and, and take a look at that, and I guarantee you we can find out what your priorities are. We can find out what your priorities are right there. But the problem is most of us, a lot of us, don't have purposed priorities, and we've gotten overwhelmed, we've gotten stuck, we've gotten distracted, and we've gotten into the weeds of all the things that have nothing to do with where you're going, like your neighbor's drama. Come on. Think about how much time and energy. I'm not just talking about actual physical time. I'm talking about mental and emotional energy that we spend that sucks the life out of you because we're prioritizing everybody else's stuff. We're prioritizing everybody else's stuff in the name of ministry. Come on. We become Martha's and we miss out on being a Mary. And so we're busy serving. We're busy doing the church thing. We're busy jumping into everybody else's hula hoops. And we abandon our lot. And we wonder why there's weeds and it's unkept and we're exhausted and we're tired. And I'm angry and I'm bitter at the people who are setting boundaries. Isn't that what happened with, with Martha? Tell her to serve me. And Jesus said, oh, Martha, Martha. Martha, or Mary, what she's doing, she's doing the right thing, and it will not be taken away from her. Because she's learned how to say, look, I'm going to shut out what's supposed to be happening right now because my God just entered into the room, and I don't care if this needs me or this needs me or this needs me. I'm going to focus on what I need right now, and I'm going to pour out my life and my adoration upon Christ. That's a priority. We've got to learn how to set priorities. Brad mentioned this in the Q&A. He was talking about when we were homeschooling or whatever. He's like, one of the things I remember about Lisa at that time, he's like, she, she reminded me of David when he was out in the field and just, he didn't say this, but I say it all the time, like feeding sheep and cleaning poop because uh, I had six children. And so I'm at home doing all of this, you know, just doing all of this. But one of the things, and I think Kyler mentioned this at the, in the last YouTube that you and I did, she, one of the things she remembered when she lived with us was every afternoon I would lock myself in my room 
And that was my two hours of just study time. I didn't know why I was studying. I didn't know, I didn't know what God was doing. But there were hints of my purpose in what God was asking me to prioritize. Some of you are looking for your purpose, and I'm giving you hints this weekend. There is a hint in what motivates you, and there is a hint in what God has asked you to prioritize. If God says, I want you to shut you in your, you want you to shut yourself in your room, and I want you to study scripture for two to three hours every day, and then later you get a prophetic word years later, I just got this about six months ago, where somebody said, the Lord shows me that you have like a hard drive inside you, and there are folders inside of it. Inside the folders are hundreds of files of things that he has downloaded. And God wants you to know that he sees all those files and they are not for naught. But that God is going to be releasing books and messages and teachings and curriculums. And these are things that you thought at the time you had no idea, but God was impressing and preparing and equipping you for your path and your purpose. If God asks you to prioritize something and you don't know why, you should just do it. You should just do it. Because chances are he's preparing you for your path. I was thinking about um, in Haggai where Cyrus, back up teaching, Ezra, King Cyrus, pagan king, time to go back and rebuild Jerusalem, the temple in Jerusalem. God moves upon a pagan king and says, anybody who wants to go back to Jerusalem and rebuild, you can go. I'm giving you your freedom. And I'll give you all that you need to do it as well. I'll give you the blessings of a pagan king. Interestingly enough, I, I don't know the exact numbers, but it's something like 600,000 Israelites were invited to go, and like one-eighth of them actually responded to the invitation. I'd have to remember the numbers. It's a message for another day. But the point is, is they go back, and they're given everything they need to start rebuilding the temple. Haggai the prophet. So Ezra is the story, and then Haggai is the prophet who comes in the midst of the story, okay? So those, have the, those two books go together. Go home and read them. Those two books go together. He shows up in chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, and he says, he finds that they've started to rebuild the temple, which, by the way, it's interesting in Ezra, it says that they, they started to rebuild the temple, and the enemy came and began to taunt them. And it actually legit says in Ezra, it says, and they sent counselors in order that they would frustrate their purpose. Like, it says that phrase, and so the enemy sent demons, imps, people, distractions, tension, strife, busyness, activities to frustrate their purpose. That word frustrate in the Hebrew means to make your arms limp. Meaning I've lost my strength, I've lost my motivation, and I'm frustrated. I'm frustrated. And it says immediately in a day, the building, after they had built the altar of the Lord, because worship should center around sacrifice, I'm going to say it every time. It's the heart of worship is sacrifice. They build the altar, but then when they're building the temple, the enemy comes and is like, boo! And they're like, <laughs> and they get frustrated. And Haggai shows up on the scene and he says, this, and so now they've taken all the, all the goods and all the resources that were supposed to be for the building of the temple, what God had asked them to prioritize, and they began to prioritize their own selves. Out of their flesh, he says, is now a time for you yourselves to dwell in, your, dwell in your own paneled houses while the temple of the Lord is laying in ruins. I'm going to say that again. Is now a time for you to settle in your own paneled whatever you've built while your own temple is laying in ruins. 
You've prioritized your business over your soul. Your business is thriving, but your soul is weary. Come on, what is it that you're building into using the energy that God has given to you to build yourself and build his path, and now you are dry and you are empty? It goes, the message says it like this. Take a good look at your life. Think it over. He says, consider your ways. The people of Israel were sent back to the land for one purpose, to rebuild the house of the Lord. Yet, when the prophet showed up, he saw that the people had forgotten their purpose. They had disconnected from their, why were you even here? The only reason you're here is to build the temple, and somehow you've become disconnected. And listen to the results. He goes on and says, you have sown much. Yeah, you're doing a lot of work. Good, you're spinning in circles. But you're bringing in, you, you're bringing in so little. You eat, but you still don't have enough. You drink, but you're not filled with drink. You clothe yourself, but you're not warm. Come on, I'm talking to somebody in this room. Because there are some people that are like this, I just keep trying, I just keep trying, I just keep trying, I just keep trying. And no matter what I do, I can't seem to feel the fulfillment, that completion that we talked about last night. It goes on and says, and he who earns wages, he puts the wages into the bags, but your, bags has hole, your bag has holes in it. Come on, do you talk about that visual? Some of us feel like, God, I'm so busy, but I'm never moving forward. I feel like I'm a hamster on the wheel. I feel like I'm this treadmill. <laughs> and I'm not just talking about fulfillment and growth on the outside. Remember, we talked about your purpose is more about the fruit within you than it is about the fruit around you. Remember, we talked about Adam. It wasn't about building fruit on the, in the garden because God didn't need him to to bring fruit in the garden. It was about building the fruit in Adam. It was about the fruit inside of him. So I'm not talking about like, and I'm just not seeing any accomplishments in my business, and I'm not seeing any growth. You're asking yourself the wrong question, and you're looking for the wrong thing. You should be asking yourself, am I seeing growth in me? It doesn't matter that my business isn't growing. Have you seen what God has done? It doesn't matter that I don't see fruit there. Do you see the fruit in my life? And I will say the opposite is true as well. I don't care if I see fruit in your business. If I don't see fruit in you, you're out of order. When we talk a lot about the glory versus the anointing, the character of God, the heart of God versus the hand of God, and a lot of times all we look for is the hand of God, and we're so far away from the heart of God. And it's only in the heart of God that your, your capacity will be increased that you can flow in the greater hand of God. We're talking about all of that. He goes on and says, here is your solution. Go up to the mountains and bring wood. Build the temple that I may take pleasure and be glorified. Look, at some of us need to go back and get the original resources that God gave to you. Recognize, I say this all the time, I just need to go back to the mountain and gather my wood and start rebuilding where God told me to build. I need, I need to go back to the mountain. I need to go back to my closet. I need to gather up some strength, some energy. I need to be reminded that God is with me. I need to be reminded that God loves me. I need the resources of the kingdom. I need the resource of the Holy Spirit so I can build and do the thing that God has called me to do. I need to say no to this. Come on, everybody say no in the room. No. See, you can say no. It's really very easy if you don't care how people feel about it. There's only one person you should care about, and that is God. But let's be honest, a lot of times we fear saying no to people because we care more about what they're going to think than what God's going to think. And remember, we talked about in Colossians 2 that you're being cheated. We're being cheated because we're allowing our system 
to define our days instead of allowing the kingdom to define our days. So we need to go back up to, back up to the mountain and gather our wood. Stay connected to your dream. I want to talk to you about perseverance. When I uh, first started coming into this wave of the Holy Spirit, and Pastor was a part of that, and Gloria Gillespie, I, uh, I don't know if you guys know her or not, um, I would sit with her for hours sometimes a week, and she would just tell me stories about just crazy stuff in the spirit and this and that and the other thing. But she was a very, you know, Pastor Gloria, just incredible character. Like, you feel like you're in the presence of the theophany, the, 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 the angel of the Lord, right? Like, you feel like, oh. Um, and so I asked her once, I remember asking her what was the more, most important trait. I don't know why I asked this question, but I've never forgotten it. I said, what, was, what is the most important trait that you feel like I need to know as I'm beginning to build a ministry. She said, well, I can tell you what I feel like the most important trait of any believer is. And I said, what is it? She said, it's the ability to persevere. And she said, here's why. She went on to share that she knew so many people who had had a dream. They had a plan. They had a purpose. They imagined it. They started it, but they couldn't persevere and see it through. That when opposition came, they gave up. And I have seen that. I have seen that over the last 12 years of ministry that people come into my office. This is why I'm like kind of weird about it now. Like when people are like, so-and-so wants to have an hour meeting with you to talk about their dream. And I'm like, uh, because it's frustrating. Because people come in with really great dreams. And you guys remember, I'm a dreamer. I'm a seven on the Enneagram. So I'm like, let's do it. Let's jump. Yeah. You know? And, and so I'm like talking to people, but it's just this pipe dream because they don't even bring a piece of paper and pencil. You got, I, I, you got that. They don't even come prepared to take notes to say, I'm going to learn something and I want to remember and I want to go do it. And I'm tired of people wasting my time. And it saddens me that I'm like, Ugh. and so, and I will say to them, hey, once you've done that thing, I'd love to connect with you again. And I'm, I'm shocked and I'm sad to tell you that 90% of the time they never call me again because they never do the one thing. And they're going to die going, I guess this is it. I guess this was my lot in the name of Christian contentment. I've learned to be content where I'm at. Ah, except you feel a stirring of something more in you. This is not it. Remember the angel of the Lord is poking every single one of us in the arm saying, wake up. There's something more for you. So hear me. It is one thing to start something. It's another thing to see it all the way through. I keep mentioning that I'm a seven on the Enneagram. And the weakness of a seven is we love to start things, but we're terrible at seeing them through. And, uh, and so I know that about myself, so I'm very intentional about what I start. Right? So I've allowed my what could be a weakness to turn into a strength that I'm very picky and choosy as to what I start. If somebody's like, well, can you sit on this board? Can you be a part of this gathering? Can you be? Last year I was super bothered because I was like, ugh, I'm super bothered because I'm not going to be able to be at this prayer meeting, this prayer meeting. I can be at this, but pastor, I can't be at all these things. Like I can't be. And he was fine with it, but I had to communicate that up front because I take very seriously when I make a commitment, I want to be all there. I want to be present. I want to be flitting in and flitting out. Like, I want to put my 100% into it because I know my tendency is to start something and then get bored with it because I'm a seven and I get bored easily and then I'll quit. Or in the waiting, I get fatigued or I get tired or I get discouraged or I get disappointed, any of the D words, I get depressed and then I quit. And I know this about myself. 
And so I cling to the verse that says, let us not grow weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Now listen to the variables in this verse. There's a promise in this verse, and that is you shall reap. Everybody say, I shall reap. There is a promise in this verse, but there is also two variables. One is that little phrase, in due season. What does that even mean? I hate that phrase. Oh, this, every season feels like a due season for me, Lord. Like, but God has a due season for you, and that's one of the variables. And I dislike it. Again, I'm a seven. I'm like, ah, you know, if I, if I see a vision, I want it done yesterday. And the second variable is your heart, not giving up. Because God is saying, if you, if you continue on and you do not give up, you do not grow faint, you do not grow weary, you will reap. Only two variables, waiting on his season and not giving up. And not giving up. The Bible says, even the youth shall faint and be weary. And the young men shall utterly fall. Good news, it's, you're not tired because you're old. <laughs> Like all the times I'm like, oh, oh, God. And he's like, no, no, no. It says, even youths will faint and will grow weary, and young men shall utterly fall. So it has nothing to do with that. It's possible you're faint because you're not living in the midst of your purpose. It's possible you're faint because you've gotten disconnected from your why, which ultimately is our relationship with the Lord. That's where we discover our why. Delight yourself in the Lord. He will grant you the desires of my I don't know the desire of my heart. Well, delight yourself in the Lord. And I'll show you the desires of your heart. I'll never forget when uh, I went to uh, Abilene with uh, Pastor Mark Hewitt. And I go there, and I'd already started this ministry. I had my really cool mission statement and la, 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 all this stuff. And he says to me, sitting on the front row of this healing tent, tent something, I, all this was really new to me. I was like, what is this? Why are we in a tent? And so I'm sitting in, and he comes up to me, and he's like, the Lord told me to ask you, what is the desire of your heart? And I was like, oh. And I'm... <laughs> I know this is going to sound weird to you guys. I feel like for a moment I got hit with a deaf and dumb spirit. I was like, I have no idea. I don't even know what my name is right now. Like, it was literally like God was undoing me. Like, you think you know, but you don't really know. And in order for me to tell you what it is, I need to make you deaf and dumb to what you think it is. So I was like, I, 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 like, I, had no, I was like, I can't. I remember getting up and going to the back of the tent and calling Brad, crying and going, Dude, what do you think the desire of my heart is? Like, I don't, I feel like I'm just completely disconnected from my, like, I don't know. I just, and what God was doing is like, look, you thought this was it. You thought it was this path, but that's because you haven't been connected to me. And now that you're starting to connect and delight yourself in me, I'm beginning to loose a new desire within your heart. He was guiding and directing by asking that Question, what is the desire in your heart? So here are some, st some tips if you're taking notes. Tip one, stay passionate. Oh, how do I do that? <laughs> Practice your gifts. Practice your good gifts. First Timothy 16 says, fan the flame, stir up the gift of God. Practice your gifts whenever you can. I don't care if you practice them on your dog. Practice them. If you're called to write, write. It doesn't matter if nobody's reading it. We had pastors and I were talking out there earlier. We were talking about how sometimes we just preach to ourselves in the mirror, you know. But it's our gift. It's in us, and we're stirring it up so that we stay passionate about what we do. Stir up your gift. Hebrews 11.9 reminds us that Abraham dwelt in the land of promise, even though he had not arrived. Dwell on your promise. Dwell on it. Be obsessed with it. God's promised me this. God's promised me this. God's promised me this. That's how you stay passionate. Okay, so these are just your tips on how to stay passionate. Number two, stay ready. Stay ready. Be focused on you first and foremost. I'm just giving you guys practical tips now. I'm just teaching you. 
Stay ready. Remember, remember that you must guard your design and you must always focus on you as a person. Pastor talked about nobody wants to drink from a dirty vessel. Shirley says it to me all the time. She's like, How you, how's your heart? How's your heart, Lisa? Before I'm in, because nobody wants to drink from a dirty vessel tonight. How's your heart? <laughs> you guys know I'm right. I'm not making that up. But she says that to me all the time. How's your heart? How's your heart? Nobody wants to drink from a dirty vessel. See, she's, she's saying it doesn't matter what your purpose is. If your design isn't in line, come on, your purpose will be faulty. So you've got to stay ready by staying focused on you. Guard your heart. Put on the full armor of God so that you may be with, able to withstand. Because when you start to walk in your purpose, you better bet your bottom dollar the enemy is going to be hot on your heels. And he's also going to be on your right and on your left. And he's going to be hanging overhead, whispering in your ear, touching you on the back, touching, tapping you on the shoulder. He's going to be all over the place. And if you aren't ready, he will take you out. If you aren't girded up in the word, and God is so loving that he won't show you up before you're ready. That's why the Israelites went from here to here like this. <sighs> And what could have taken them 10 days took them 40 years. Why? Because they weren't ready. They would have been swallowed up by all the, the ites that they had to overcome. See, God is more, important, more concerned about you being ready than he is getting you there quickly. So in the process of the waiting, know that God is making you ready. Remember, it's not about where you're going. It's about who you're becoming. It's about who you're becoming. Focus on who you're becoming. Declare your truths. Declare your promises. Enforce you. That's why I'm so passionate about these daily declarations and these self-reconciliations because it's saying, God, I'm ready. I'm getting ready. I'm getting ready. And God, when you swing that door wide open, I'm ready. I'm not going to be like, God, I'm not ready. I still have fear. I still have pride. I still have I'm still too weak. We will have broken free from all of those things so that when God says, here it is, you're going to be like, I'm, I am ready. Yeah. Are you ready? Yeah. You got to be able to say with confidence, I'm ready. I'm confident that I'm ready because God has done this, 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 and this in my life, and I am ready. All right, tip number three, practice thankfulness. And I'm going to couple that with avoiding complaining because you can't do both. You can't be a thankful and a grateful person and a complainer at the same time. You know, in the Hebrew, the word complaining means to, uh, uh, to encamp or to drive a stake into the ground. Now think about that with me a moment. When I'm complaining, I basically have said, I'm going to pitch a tent in this problem and hang out here for a while. I'm just going to keep circling around this thing, just keep what, and I'm going to drive a stake in this thing. I'm going to hang out here for a while. But you can't be a complainer and a grateful person at the same time. Proverbs 3, 6 says, In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. Whoa, 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 whoa. Wait a minute, what? Oh, God, when you direct my path, I'll acknowledge that you directed it. He said, that didn't how it work. It said, if you acknowledge me in all my ways, I will direct your path. And sometimes we got it in the reverse. We're looking at it in the wrong direction. But okay, here we go. Next tip, lean forward. Lean forward. Always have this forward lean in you. Always have this forward lean for in you. And I'm, I'm talking about really leaning in. The Bible talks about how uh, we are not of those who draw back, but we press forward, we persevere, we hold on. 
We have this hopeful expectation that what we think is going to happen will happen. That's what it means to persevere. So we have this forward lean in us. You know, in Proverbs 31, it says that the woman of Proverbs 31, that she laughs at the days to come. She has no fear of what is in front of her. In fact, she looks at growing old. She looks at what is to come, and she's got a forward lean. And she says, look, here I come, life. You're not going to happen to me, but I'm going to happen to you. You will not influence me, but I will influence you. I will navigate the days of my life. I am leaning forward. I am ready. I am thankful. I'm not complaining. I am focused on the thing that is set before me. I am convinced. Are you convinced? We've got to have a forward lean. Philippians 3 says, not that I have already attained all of this or have already been perfected, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus has already laid hold of me. I do not count myself to have already apprehended it. See, I think we don't realize Paul never, never arrived. He's saying, like, it's not about me arriving. It's about me pressing on to the destiny. When a righteous man falls, he gets back up seven times. It doesn't say a righteous man never falls. It says a righteous man knows the right that he has to get back up and keep pressing on. It's not about your perfection. It's about your progress. It's about you having a focus and saying, I'm going to keep moving. I'm gonna, oh, I messed that up, but I'm going to keep moving. Well, I messed that up again, but I'm still going to, oh, dang it, I did it again, but I'm going to keep moving. I'm going to keep pressing on because it's not about perfection. It's about progress. To apprehend it, brethren, I do not count myself to have already apprehended it, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind me, reaching forward. Come on, everybody just reach forward, physically for me. Reach forward, like stretch out. Remember we talked about how God said to Abram, you tell me all that your eye sees and that is the land I will give you. You tell me how big your vision is. I'm giving you the authority to decide how far will I reach out. He says, I'm reaching out towards all that is in front of me. Those things that are ahead, I press towards the goal, the why, my purpose, the prize, the thing that makes me tick and ticks me off, the thing that makes me leap out of bed, that puts a smile on my face, that feels so connected to my personality. It's the thing that's easy for me. It's my sweet spot. Hebrews 12 says, lay aside every weight. And the sin that so easily ensnares and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that is set before, I read this earlier to you, but I read it in a different version. And it says, consider him who endured all the hostility of sinners against him, lest you become weary and discouraged and you quit. You will not quit. Let's be honest. Let, oh, this, this is what's crazy about me, or crazy about all this. It sounds crazy that I wrote a book on enforcing purpose. I spent eight chapters talking all about how to discover and define your purpose. It's a great book. If you haven't gotten it, you should read it. Only now to tell you that I still don't really know the fullness of my purpose. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> but I know I have one. And I know the one who knows it. And if I stay connected to the one who, to the knower, I'll find it. All I got to do is stay passionate, stay ready, keep a forward lean, stay thankful, and avoid complaining. I'm going to end with this and telling you, if the worship team wants to come up, I'm going to end with this and telling you this. I talk about this in the book, but I want, I want you to think with me about the, the story, the movie, The Polar Express. The Polar Express, there's this little shy little orphan that gets on this train, and his name's Billy, and he's 
clearly not as confident as the other kids. He's very quiet. He's not clean. He doesn't fit the profile that all the other kids fit. And he, he's kind of like, you're kind of curious, like, so what's happening with this kid through the entire movie? And finally, at the end of this, they come into Santa's workshop. And this kid's just kind of following all the rest of me. He's clearly a follower. He doesn't, he lacks confidence. He has no boldness. He certainly is not tenacious. And all of a sudden, the kids are looking at these gifts and they have name tags on them. And they're reading the name tags and they're like, oh, this one's for Billy. And he says, that's me. I'm Billy. Declaring, I know who I am. And he grabs a hold of this gift and he begins to shake it. And if you remember, all of a sudden this gift drops on this conveyor belt and this conveyor belt starts to twist and turn and there's those uh, curtains and everything else. We have no idea what's on the other end of the conveyor belt, but Billy doesn't care because he's discovered something that has his name on it. And suddenly a tenacity rides up in him and he doesn't care what the twists look like. He doesn't care that he doesn't know where he's going to end up. He doesn't care that he can be see, can't see beyond the other side of the wall. He holds on to this gift and the best part of this packet, this best part of this is he gets to the end, and if you remember, he drops into this big, huge Santa package. You remember that with all these gifts or whatever? And he's like drowning in all of these gifts, and he's holding on to this gift. And they're like, give me your hand. And he's like, okay. And he's like reaching up one hand, and he's holding on to his package over here, this gift that has his name on it. And they're like, let go of it. And he's like, no, I'm not letting go of it. It's my gift. And he's holding on to it. And finally they pull him out and he comes up and he says, it's what I've always wanted. And at that moment, I think in my head, you haven't even looked inside the box. How do you know it's what you've always wanted? And here's how he knows, because he knows the character of Santa. So you don't have to know what your purpose is. If you know the character of the one who's given it to you, you'll hold on to it. Then he starts to want to rip it open. And they're like, no, 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 there's a tag on us that says don't open till Christmas. And that's the part where we go, uh-huh. We're never going to discover what Billy's gift was. We never know what it was. But you know what? All of us, you're probably thinking now like, oh, it didn't even matter. Because it doesn't really matter what the purpose is. What matters is that you know you have a purpose. And you hold the gift giver, the purpose giver to his character. That he is a father of good gifts. And that he will not let you down. And whatever your purpose is, it's exactly what you've wanted all along. He's going to have you fulfilled. He is not going to let you down. And you may have to wait till Christmas to open it. But you will not regret it wherever it takes you. Everybody stand up for me. Go ahead and start playing if you would. If you really are at a place where you're like, I just feel weary and discouraged and disappointed. And I feel like there's kind of been this leaping in my spirit throughout the weekend. But at the end of it, I still just feel like I just need an impartation of the energio of God, the energy, just a refreshing, an igniting of the fire, just like that. I'm going to have you come forward. If that's you, come forward. If that's you, come forward. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Be sure to click subscribe so you can catch each episode every month. I want you to walk in your fullness. For more information about other services and resources, head to my website at www.lisa-schwartz.com. You can also find me on YouTube by searching Lisa Schwartz LLC. I look forward to connecting with you. 
Remember, enforcing purpose, it starts with you.